0: Grand Canyon, where hidden forces shape our ideas, ideas. beliefs, and experiences. experiences. Join us
1: as we uncover the stories between the canyon's colorful walls.
0: Probe the depths
1: and add your
2: voice voice for what happens happens next
1: next at Grand Grand Canyon.
3: and
0: welcome. Okay. This is
2: Jessica. <laughs> this is Emily. And this is, and this, this is Behind the Scenery. Okay, let her rip. <laughs> Hi, I'm Ranger Dave, and this is Behind the Scenery. Many visitors have asked me about my bicycle. I ride it on the trails and the roads that get around the park. It's green, which is a bit of an understatement. It has a dark green frame, neon green wheels and tape, a custom-made green seat cover that is also green. I usually wear a green backpack and matching helmet. For a bell, I have a squeaky turtle, which is also green. My pannier bags are gray, since there was no green option. For me, it shows some character as a fashion statement. But that's not why I ride it. It's a special bike to me. Let me explain how I got it. My friend Miles gave it to me. Miles is actually my student. I taught him how to ski bike after he could no longer ski. Miles has ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, but this doesn't stop him. He is still an avid cyclist, downhill skier, and an outdoorsman. He lives right outside San Francisco, so naturally when we visited, he took us for a ride through Golden Gate National Recreation Area. Miles used a recumbent trike, so he offered me his old bike. After Miles showed us around, we visited Muir Woods, Miles loves the national parks and has visited quite a few. Sometime later, I was looking for a road bike and thought of Miles and asked him if I could buy his. He shipped it all the way to the national seashore that I was working for. He even sent me a green jersey to represent him when I ride so I can help raise awareness for ALS. It's a great conversation starter and a grand way to honor my friend. So when visitors see me ride by in all green in uniform, they see a ranger on a bike they may miss the story about the bike itself. Hi, I'm Ranger Dave, and with me is Ranger Phil Arrington.
0: What's up, Dave?
2: So Phil, tell me a little bit about what your role is in the park.
0: Thanks for asking, Dave. I like to tell people that I'm an office ranger. I spend most of my time doing administrative work. My primary Responsibilities involve managing concession contracts that the National Park Service has with hospitality providers and making sure that we're preserving the cultural resources that are assigned to the concessions. That's part of my job. And then another part is working with the concessioner to provide the best possible experience for visitors.
2: Phil, will you tell us a little bit of how you cycle in the park?
0: Yeah, absolutely, Dave. So I ride around on a cargo e-bike and when I got my job, it used to have a car and so I decided to trade out my car for an e-bike. I have about a four mile range that I need to travel in, not necessarily every day. So the e-bike is just a really fun way to be able to do my job, get a little exercise, and be a little greener on the earth. Okay, and cost-wise,
2: are you spending a lot more money with this e-bike, or is this more economical?
0: Well, I have to admit, Dave, that I got it mainly just just because I'm a two-wheel guy, and I would rather ride on two wheels any day than four. That being said, it is a lot more economical. Instead of having a car payment, filling up with gas, shuttling the vehicle back and forth to the south rim and the north rim during the winter, my department spent about 1800 bucks. I got an e-bike, I plug it in once a week and I can ride it around as much as I want.
2: Can you describe for the viewers at home what your bike looks like? Because I think it's pretty distinctive.
0: So it's a cargo bike, and the reason I got a cargo bike was so that I could have a place to store my ranger hat. We call it a flat hat, so that when I go down to the Grand Canyon Lodge, I can take off my bike helmet, put on my flat hat, and be in full ranger dress, so to speak. My bike is long, it's big, it's got two panniers on the back, and the most distinctive part is it's bright orange. So whenever I'm rolling up, People always know that it's me. And it's really fun because I think a lot of people like to see a ranger on a bicycle. And it's kind of a little bit different kind of bike that not a lot of people have seen before. And so it starts a lot of conversations and creates a lot of interpretive moments, so to speak.
2: Phil, you are starting up an employee biking program here on North Rim? Why are you interested in improving the employee bicycle infrastructure
0: for North Rim? Thank, thanks for asking that question, Dave. First of all, I think the North Rim is just a really cool place to ride a bike. Living in this community, we've got the bridle path, it's, it's a dirt trail. We're pretty close to everything we need. We've got a little general store, all of our the buildings where we work and all the stations that we work are pretty close together. I think to answer your question, that's part of it, just how the community and how the infrastructure of this place is designed and how close everything is. I think the other part of it is that there's maybe a certain type of ranger or a certain type of person that comes and works over at the North Rim, whether you know, whether you work for the Park Service or one of the concessioners or something like that. A lot of us are active and we like to bicycle anyways. And I've seen that a lot of people choose to bicycle around, whether it's to and from work, whether it's on their free time, you know, whatever. And so I saw a need and I saw some demand. First of all, what the infrastructure involves is just kind of some pretty simple stuff like getting some bike racks around, getting a place where people can park their bikes, lock their bikes, feel comfortable biking to work, biking for fun, biking for recreation. And so we're getting five or six bike racks around the administrative area of North Rim. And some of this is even going to help some of the visitors, like we're getting some down by the visitor center, by the general store. There's definitely a need down there. People just are locking up their bikes next to trees. So I think that's part of it. Just creating the infrastructure to facilitate people to bike more, if that's what they want to do. We also bought some tools and cleaned up an old building where folks can use those tools in that infrastructure to repair government bikes, government bicycle equipment, and incidentally, their own bikes, if they need to, to do that, to keep them safe.
2: What have been the biggest challenges that you've faced with this project?
0: In some ways, the challenges aren't dissimilar to a lot of challenges I face with other projects that I'm working on in the park. You gotta kinda have a vision, and you've gotta be able to explain what you're doing and why you're doing it, and to be able to effectively sell it to a, to a certain degree. And then you just stay with it. I think with this project, it was just having a good understanding of why, seeing if there was a need, trying to effectively communicate that with other people in the park, especially the folk that are holding the keys to the bank, the purse strings, you know, showing that there's value in making this investment and that it will be used. And just stayed with it. And then we finally got it. And it's really cool to see the excitement level for it. And I think the appreciation that employees have for that and to see that investment in them, I think is a morale booster. I have a personal bike, a 1954 Schwinn. I'm kind of proud of it, that I've got restored and I ride that back and forth to work, kind of around to, to run errands.
2: Do you find that you're using more of the bridle path or do you think you're using more of the road?
0: It depends on how quick I need to get somewhere. If I'm running late for a meeting, I'll just use the road. The nice thing about the e-bike is I can keep a constant 20 miles an hour and keep up with traffic a little bit better. The preferred route would be to go on the Bridal trail. It's just nice to ride on. I can get out of the office for five or 10 minutes and just have this national park experience where I'm just riding down a trail, there's birds chirping, the wind's blowing in my face. If the flowers are blooming, we have a lot of lupin around here. I can smell the fresh scent of the flowers as I'm going down the trail. I can smell the pine trees. And so it's nice sometimes just be able to get into that national park moment in the middle of the workday. And I mean, that's why we're here. The bike is a, it acts as a median or a means for me to do that, instead of just driving. If I was just driving from the place to place, I would just miss it all. So
2: we're here with Sky and Joey. We're going to talk a little bit about cycling in the park. Do you, Sky, do you want to start and just tell us a little bit about what you do in the park, what you do here, sure. and how you spend your time?
3: I've worked up here for three years, and I'm a wildlife biotech, so I do work with bison as well as avifauna. I survey for Mexican spotted owls and help out with any resources trips that are planned for the North Rim, there's only four resources staff up here. So I help with vegetation work and occasionally hydrology or paleontology or something
1: like that too. Awesome. So spending most of your time outside in the field?
3: Yeah, most of office. my time
1: in the field. Well, I'm Scott's boyfriend and I just get to come up here and ride my bike on the weekends.
2: <laughs> and what do you do professionally?
1: I'm the service manager at Absolute Bikes in Sedona, Arizona. Dealing with bike repairs, bike service, bike rentals, awesome everything to do with bikes. You would think I wouldn't want to do it on my weekends, but...
2: (laughs) Talk to me a little bit about your time and your experiences of riding inside the park
3: well the north rim has some great riding i think as far as national parks are concerned there's actually like quite a bit of mountain biking up here and when i think of riding up here i think there's three options that i usually consider for rides one of them is the point sublime road and it's somewhere in between gravel riding and mountain biking. It's pretty uh, rough, rugged road. Uh, The second option is the Arizona Trail, and that's the only trail that's available for biking in the park, just because of most of the area on the rim being proposed wilderness, which doesn't allow motorized or mechanized, makes most trails off limits to biking. But Arizona Trail can bike on it, and there's 11 miles of Arizona Trail in the park. And then the third option is not in the park, it's in the Kaibab National Forest, which is directly north of the North Rim. That's 28 miles of single track along the rim.
1: Yeah, the road riding here is pretty spectacular as well. And the traffic's not terrible and usually people are driving at a fairly safe speed, yeah. so it's not like you're getting blown off the road or anything. Yeah. And the riding just helps you experience the park so much better because you're taking it all in, you're smelling the smells, you're seeing the sights and you can stop wherever you want and check out wildlife or the plant life as well.
2: What would you say like remote types of rides that you've done what, what does that kind
0: of look like?
3: You know, the park doesn't have a whole lot as far as dirt roads. There's one main road, Point Sublime Road, that goes west for 18 miles. And then there's another road that intersects with it, the Kanabonitz Road. But if you go north on that, then the National Forest, the Kaibab National Forest, has so many dirt roads. There's been highly developed for deer hunting and bison hunting. They need easy access, and there are so many options once you get out there. So I think some really fun routes are linking roads in the Kaibab National Forest with roads within the park. And that's something I've done 35, 40 mile loops in a day going up into the Forest Service and out west on some of the dirt roads back around into the park. You'll notice when you're out there, the Forest Service roads are really well maintained and you get to the park and the roads are really chunky and there's loose rocks and you're pretty much going faster than all of the traffic that you'll encounter out there. You'll see high clearance vehicles, you'll see Jeeps and trucks, and sometimes it's a matter of just getting around people. There's not a whole lot of traffic, but when you see cars, you're likely traveling faster.
1: The other option is the AZT headed north. You can take the AZT right out of the park and you're along the east rim. Mm And so like you see down into House Rock Valley, you can see into Marble Canyon, and it's just, that's a pretty beautiful section of the AZT that a lot of through riders, they just kind of go fast through that area, but Sky and I have ridden it a bunch of times and you can stop at all kinds of viewpoints and you rarely see other mountain bikers, you rarely see other hikers, unless they're like through hikers. And the AZT headed north, you can get all the way up to Utah if you want to. It gets pretty hot up on the north end of it, but kind of in the Aspens the whole way headed north and then turn around and come back down or you can take some service roads to get back to the north rim itself. Okay. Yeah. Kind of make,
2: develop your own loop, so to speak. Take like the Arizona Trail and then take a different road back.
1: Yeah, exactly. for sure. Yeah. And There's- the Arizona Trail is awesome. It's like very smooth, fun, single track. There's not too many chunky sections of it. It's just like flowy through the Aspens and, you're kind of going through forested areas, then you pop out in the meadows, and it's a really cool experience to just not see anyone and you're in this huge meadow by yourself. And yeah, the single track is really fun just ripping through those meadows.
2: Do you feel like just a few people use it a day or you know, you really have it to yourself
1: or? I think it depends on the season. If it's the middle of through hiking season, a lot of times in the spring, they're trying to complete the Arizona Trail while it's still cool at the lower elevations. But up here, If you ride July, August, you're still at pretty high elevation, so it's not too hot of temperatures, and there's not many through hikers. Like We've maybe seen one or two other users on the AZT headed north from the park. And yeah, there's like fire lookouts and just awesome forest. And we're always finding fossils too, like fossils in the Kaibab and pretty fun trail. I'd highly recommend it to anyone.
2: really cool feature and when i tell people like oh have you tried the arizona trail people like not interested so often and it's it's refreshing to have people actually want to use that trail yeah and and it's somewhere where i feel like our park staff is sending people all the time and they don't want to hear about it so
3: (laughs) (laughs) if you have a bike it's excellent and i mean even if you're on foot there's wild raspberries growing along the side of the trail the aspens are just gorgeous
1: I think everyone's looking for that like view of the canyon off the rim like no one wants to hike away from the canyon but they don't realize that the AZT eventually just gets you back to the rim like the further you go only a couple miles outside the park boundary you're back on the east rim looking down into the House Rock Valley and the Vermilion Cliffs and it's just gorgeous. Tell me a little bit
2: about some different factors to consider when you're heading into the backcountry or biking in the backcountry
1: here on the north rim bring water if you don't want a grumpy girlfriend bring lots of water <laughs> 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 and if you can pack it on your bike pack as many bottles or bladders as you possibly can just because there is very very scarce opportunity for water Sometimes we'll bring a water filter just in case, like we find a spring or something, and we're out of water. Like you just never know what you're gonna encounter, and like it does get hot. Sometimes you're exposed when you're in those meadows, and it's just really nice to have extra water. Like you can always bring water home, but you can't get more water when you're out there. Right. So, so even for day trips, you're doing that. Oh yeah, for sure. Wow. Uh, Even for day
3: trips, we'll fill a
1: bunch of bladders and bottles, and
3: yeah, especially on the park roads, like. I don't know, there's days where you might not encounter any vehicles out there too, so it's good to just be entirely self-supported with all the supplies you need to fix a flat and extra water, like a a couple liters extra in case you encounter trouble out there.
1: And definitely bike repair tools, like bring two tubes. Don't just bring one extra tube, like bring a multi-tool. Read up on what you can bring to fix your bike. Flat tires are the biggest thing. Just have a knowledge of your bike and a knowledge of like, oh, if my chain falls off, I can get it back on. Kind of don't go into the backcountry without any knowledge of that. And it just expect your bike to work great. Because working out the shop, you just see so many people come in with small problems that could have been fixed out on the trail, but they just had no idea how to do it. And if you're out at Point Sublime, good luck getting back. Like, You don't have the best service, and if you don't have the right tools, it's going to be a tough ride home or walk (laughs) them.
2: Yeah. Do you feel like you need more knowledge than the average cyclist to do some of these rides just because you're more independent? Maybe getting help is a lot harder if you do need help.
3: Yeah, I would say so. You're just pretty far from resources out here. I think the nearest public bike shop is probably St. George, which is three hours away. Maybe Flagstaff is the closest.
1: Yeah. And to just have like backcountry knowledge, not just bike knowledge, but to have like an all around knowledge of what's going on, maybe bring a space blanket. Cause if you're out there, like a first aid kit is something that I usually try to bring with us and just like some emergency supplies, because what if you crash? What if you break a wheel? What if you have to wait for help and it's in the afternoon and like help might be a long ways away or your partner has to ride in to get help. Like you don't know how long you could potentially be out there, so. Yeah, so probably lights too then and things like that. <clears throat> yeah, lights.
3: lights. Paper maps.
2: Snacks. <laughs> Paper maps are something that I don't think most people are really using when they cycle, so yeah, that's a good one to point out.
3: It's nice to have, if you're not familiar with the area, I think all of the roads are pretty well marked in the Kaibab, but there are so many junctions. I use the mapping app Gaia, and it's really useful for planning routes, and I love using that, but if that were to fail and I didn't know where I was out there, those roads are really a labyrinth to get back.
1: Yeah, the forest around here, you just can't see for very far distance at all, and like, I couldn't imagine being lost or like get off the road somehow. Even being on the road, like, if you had no map or no phone, it'd be really hard to find your way out. Like. It's really disorienting once you get deep into the trees.
2: For people who are just starting out, is there any other advice you'd give to someone that's just starting to to maybe dip their toes into getting to the backcountry
1: on a bike here? Ask questions. Ask other people. Everyone has their own experiences and their own... Views and their way to do things and like they might know a little more than you They might just have a different way of thinking about it But that's always something to consider just ask questions ask a ranger ask someone else riding their bike Is there a any kind of community that you
2: guys use because I know a lot of a lot of areas will use a community like at a bike shop Or somewhere else, but there aren't really any shops here Is there like an online forum or
3: anything that you guys
2: are using to get information about rides?
3: I think the best option is the backcountry office. Our staff at the backcountry office know so much as far as uh, navigating this area and what's open to bikes, what's available. I think they'd probably be able to point people in a good direction.
2: That's a great point, yeah. So, I mean, they could even do uh, like a backpacking trip via bike. Yeah. Um, and I know we have hiker biker spots up here. So, if somebody is through biking or through hiking, they can just roll up, get a spot for the night, they're first come first serve, but there's a number of them set aside and you can't even park a vehicle there, so it's just for hiker-biker.
1: Yeah, bikepacking.com as well, I think there's a couple routes in the North Rim area, not necessarily in the park, but bikepacking.com, they have like a gear list and they have specific routes you can do and then you can kind of add on or not add on, but they have very detailed descriptions of different routes and, like, stuff to bring with you when you are bikepacking and...
3: Yeah, we've been thinking of putting up a route on bikepacking.com that incorporates all of the best stuff up here. Maybe going out on the Point Sublime Road, through the park, and then outside of the park on the Rainbow Rim. Coming back into the park along the East Rim and the Arizona Trail. We figured out a loop that'd be about 80 miles. If you get overnight, the limiting factor is water, so it might require somebody to put out a water cache. But it's a nice way to see a lot of these areas, especially if you don't have a high clearance vehicle, because right now neither of us own a vehicle that would make it down the Point Sublime Road. But to yeah. be able to get out there and see it on bike, pretty amazing way to go.
1: Yeah, when you're riding your bike and a bison comes running out of the woods and then runs down the road in front of you, you like, actually feel the power of that animal. And it's happened to us a couple of times and it's just pretty cool to stop on your bike and you see those massive 2,000 pound animal go running down the road. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, really puts it into perspective.
2: Yeah, and you are kind of more out there with, with the nature and, and that's really a, a different thing than if you just did it in your car.
3: Yeah. Definitely, you notice little things like there's a spot off point sublime trail where there's uh, columbines blooming off the side of the road and you might not notice when you're you know, bouncing around in the Jeep and it's dusty out there. Like on the bike, you're just like so much closer to everything. And yeah, you just notice so much more.
1: Good conversation.
3: Good conversations.
1: <laughs> Good way to clear the mind. <laughs> so
2: tell me a little bit about your your bikes that you use can describe your setup?
1: I have a bunch of bikes and I've used pretty much all of them up here. I have a gravel bike that I ride on the trails around the North Rim and on a lot of the road riding that we do and I also have like a $5000 full suspension mountain bike that I'll take on the AZT and just go fast and have fun, but the bike I like the most is the one I paid $200 for and kind of custom-built it myself and just like built all the wheels and put the components on it over the years. And that's the bike I ride more than any of them and have the most fun on. But Sky has a great saying.
3: So we call our rigid mountain bikes, you don't have any suspension on these mountain bikes, we call them our fun bikes. <laughs> yeah, and they're, uh, I mean, they're good for road, they're good for gravel, they're good for trail. We watched this, documentary on YouTube a while back, and it was something we pulled from there. It's uh ride what you brung. <laughs> and that's kind of a good expression that I think can be applied to North Rim biking.
1: Yeah, you don't need a fancy bike. You don't need the newest, highest quality bike, but there is literally something here to ride any type of bike on. And that's probably the best part about it. So anything else that you want to add? Quit driving your car, and ride a bike.
2: (laughs) Behind the Scenery is brought to you by the Interpretation Team at Grand Canyon National Park. We gratefully acknowledge the native peoples on whose ancestral homelands we gather, as well as the diverse and vibrant native communities who make their home here today.